All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, how we doing? I'm going to stomp your ass out. <laughs> We got a great show today, part two. Uh, for those of you listening right now, uh, we've also got the Mina Kimes Love is Blind live season four reunion podcast special out. Make sure you check that out. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. That'll be up there as well. Great conversation with our pal, ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes about absolutely no NFL stuff. We told you yesterday, Mina and I went to the live reunion watch party uh, hosted by Netflix. We weathered the storm of the delay. We've got plenty of takes. It is spoiler-ridden. So if you haven't watched the live reunion, I understand because there were a lot of technical difficulties. Watch it. Use this as your pairing for after and prosper. It was great stuff. Shout out to you for getting that up nice and early so people could enjoy it, Brandon. They will get this podcast a little bit after to digest the rest of the sports stuff we saw. Yes, yes, of course, Mike. And um, obviously being a big fan of Mina on NFL Live and all the things that she does uh, with the Rams and Seahawks talk, all the every, you know, she's great on all the NFL and all the football stuff and all the sports stuff in general. To hear her wax poetic, specifically about 
one of my favorite shows, Love is Blind, and all the past couples and the, the way she can uh, just say by name uh, a couple in their stats, the way it's just like a, a, a USC running back. Like, I, it's very impressive. She's a testament to the statement, how you do something is how you do everything, because <laughs> she does everything with the same level of ferocity that she attacks football analysis, and it shows in that podcast. So you can see why she is one of the faces of ESPN right now. It makes a lot of sense. And who knows? Maybe soon one of the faces of reality television, based Ooh. on the uh, feedback from that reunion, they might need someone in the hosting chair to maybe ask some tough questions. And so Mina <laughs> might be able to help out with that. Hey, it was clear, uh, it was rough. She's clearly a journalist. I, I I couldn't help but to giggle at her pressing Netflix people about <laughs> the appearance of, of cast members. Oh, it was it was incredible to watch in person. So again, check out that podcast as well as this one. But Brandon, we got no shortage of stuff in sports because, like you mentioned, uh, we already had coming in from yesterday the Jalen Hurts contract that we'll get to some interesting NFL draft news as well with warring NFL insiders. But you talked about the stomp heard around the world. It would be. I'm trying to think of what they're going to call this. It's probably just going to be the Draymond Stomp game, but I like to think of it as the Draytown Stomp. Oh, Draytown Stomp. Okay, you, Mike, you know I'm on the other side. I think I think of it as the Sabonis Snatch. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We've got the crux of the conflict here. For anyone that missed it, the Kings took a 2-0 series lead against the Warriors, lighting the beam. They have become so much fun. If they win this series, it's going to be hard not to feel like we're all rooting for the Sacramento Kings. This team is young. They play fast as hell. De'Aaron Fox is a burgeoning superstar taking over in the fourth quarter of this game. Another big one from Malik Monk, but you got Kevin Herter, Red Velvet out there. You've got the um, the um, revenge game that we got from Harrison Barnes, I was about who to had say, absolute springs in his heels and yes. put a couple of different people on a poster last night. Well, I mean, you say revenge game, Mike. I think it's revenge series. I think yeah, Harrison Barnes... Like, obviously, all the great things that was going on game one for the, the Kings, but Harrison Barnes just being near the rim and just, like, it, it, he was giving y'all should have kept me every 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 play he made, every step. He's look he's looking at Andrew Wiggins as the upgraded model of Harrison Barnes, <laughs> yes. and he's pissed off, and he's gone, there can only be one Highlander on this series, which yes. Andrew Wiggins, too, incredible what he's done, missing 25 games, and then coming oh back gosh. off the bench in game one, and then starting in game two, drawing the De'Aaron Fox assignment because he had been such a problem. So I got nothing but respect for Wiggins, but we clearly saw Harrison Barnes, everybody on that Sacramento team came to play. They have been a joy to watch. Mike Brown is absolutely the coach of the year in the NBA. Yeah. All the things that have come together to make this team, in a basketball sense, incredibly fun to root for. And now in this series, because of the way they've battled, despite shooting terribly from beyond the arc in this game, going like 0 for their first 11, shooting 23% from the field, uh, from three, excuse me, they've put themselves in a position now taking advantage of Golden State's biggest weakness this season. They can't play on the road worth a damn. And the mm. rubber met the road, or in this case, the rubber met the chest in the fourth quarter of this game where <laughs> we had an altercation. So in the middle of the fourth quarter, Demonis Sabonis, who had been getting his whole ass whooped, in the paint this entire game. I have never seen someone get pushed in the back, generally jostled and roughed up so much in recent memory. He's getting pushed down. 
he gets to he goes to get back up and Draymond is caught over the top of him. And so Sabonis, very crafty, definitely a bit underhanded, holds on to Draymond's ankle. He kind of gets it in a little arm bar on the way up. Draymond yes. Green feels that and full on stomps in the middle of that man's chest. It was an incredible sell by Sabonis after who I know got x-rays. I don't want to minimize it too much, but he definitely leaned into that. He made sure we knew he was in pain and the result was the, uh, the referees went and reviewed everything. They gave Draymond a flagrant too. So he was thrown out of the game for the last five minutes or so. And Damana Sabonis was actually uh, assessed a technical foul. So an acknowledgement that he held onto that ankle for right. a little bit too long. Draymond Green mentioned that after the game that this had happened to him with a different player in game one and the officials didn't do anything about it and so Brandon what I'd say is this they got the call right in real time like one of those transgressions was not nearly as severe as the other Draymond talked about hey I can only move my legs so far and I'm held he knew what he was doing he made sure he sent a message with that and he did he not only knew what he was doing Mike he said in the press conference I can only put what he said. I can, I can, my foot can only land somewhere. But then he also said Malik Monk was the one grabbing at his ankle in game one. And he said, You're only, you're either going to let it happen or you can make it stop. And I thought that was kind of a, a tell for him to let everyone know that he stomped on dude's chest as a statement. He's, he said, Stomping on Demonis Bonus chest. I got a little more <laughs> sense than that. Yeah, yeah I'm grinding my feet on Demonis Sabonis' chest. <laughs> yeah, I remember stopping on Sabonis' chest. He had 16 <laughs> rebounds last game. Yeah, I see. You think I forget that shit? So, like, they got yeah. it right in the moment. Yeah. Draymond should have 100% gotten the flagrant, too. Sabonis getting the tech, I-, I think, was absolutely justified also. Held on for a little bit too long. He was just savvier. And what Draymond's got to know in that moment is something he's well acquainted with. He's usually this guy. He is the mm. instigator that's getting under other people's skin. And the one rule about on-field or on-court interactions is they're always going to catch the second guy. Everybody knows that no matter how bad that first transgression is, so many guys spend their careers trying to bait dudes into doing exactly something along the lines of what Draymond just did and so that's the reality of that situation for people that want to try and equivocate these things I still think Draymond's reaction was more severe to the point where now I'm not going to be surprised if he's suspended for game three he's opened himself up to that I think in actuality he probably should I'm not rooting for it I want him on the court because I don't want any excuses when Sacramento wins this series because right now they seem like they're in prime position they held home court we know that's been Golden State's weakness we know they've got that championship medal they're going to go back home and all that stuff but Brandon this is the exact kind of thing that's like a built-in excuse in the conversation around a Sacramento team that people are already just starting to believe in based off the momentum from the last couple of games and so while I think it's a very distinct possibility wouldn't be surprised wouldn't have any real beef if Draymond got suspended because when it's this overt you kind of force the league's hand sometimes especially with Draymond's reputation and prior playoff runs but I'm not rooting for it to happen for that reason I want this to be as competitive a series as we've seen on the court through two games yeah I gotta talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I don't think that past transgressions are enough to suspend Draymond here. I think if you watch the video, he's stumbling. He's trying to find his feet until he realizes it that it's in Sabonis' hand. And then was the only play. His foot was already kind of on Sabonis' chest, but it was the lift and the drive through the bottom and, and, and pushing off of him 
like a you know like a box jump that was the the bad part, Mike. But I think because it was kind of tit for tat, that I don't think I don't think Draymond should be suspended. I think that would be a little bit too uh, that's setting the narrative for this good Sacramento Kings team that feels like a Cinderella for everyone who just started watching uh, the playoffs or watching them play in the playoffs. I think that's a little bit too much of an overreaction. I do think that he should be fined uh, during in this moment. But when if we're comparing it to like the LeBron James nuts kick or you know all that other stuff that Draymond's been doing, I would like not to compare it to those things because it's a different instance. But I don't think his 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 what everyone knows that Draymond is thinking can't be <laughs> brought into the case here because you got to look what's on film and what was on film is he got tripped up. He's been battling with dude, and he stopped on his chest a little bit. And it was it was a little bit. Sabonis tried to sell the hell out of it, like like Brandon. like like Chris Rock didn't even sell the slap at the Oscars. Brandon, he stomped on. It was a good, clean stomp. Ten out of ten. No judge would give that anything less. It was great. <laughs> so combine that with the Mario Brothers double jump off his chest. And I think he's more than opened himself up to the possibility. Like, that's the reality of the situation. It's going to make for a great podcast later. I'm sure Draymond's going to have the number one most downloaded podcast in sports coming up later today. We're all waiting on pins and needles for the response here. We got a little taste in the post-game press conference. It's going to be great there. But I have a feeling he's going to have time for a live pod in game three. The way that we've seen this go in the past with him. Again, I'm not rooting for it. But when you go ahead and do this... Now you open yourself up to it. And uh, yeah, uh, like the damn beam, man. Uh, it was still an incredible game. I saw the stat that, and I think I heard this on TNT, so I hope I'm getting this right, that in the first two games, Golden State's been outscored on points off turnovers 41 to 14. The Golden State turnover problem, it's always been there. Like at this point, Golden State is who they are in perpetuity, but they're in uncharted territory now. This is the first time in the Steph Curry era they've been down 0-2 in a series. And I saw courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info, they're the fifth defending champion to go down 0-2 in a first round series. The previous four all lost and three of them got swept. Now, I don't think this Golden State team has sweep in their DNA, especially not going back home, but... Right now, based on their track record of the season, one of the worst teams in the NBA when it comes to home road split and what they did away from their home arena does not bode well for a series where Sacramento not only has home court advantage, but has this kind of home court advantage. Golden one is a freaking hornet's nest. That place outside of the beam is loud and incredible. I know Sacramento fans are trying to tell me they broke records in like 2015 and 2017. That's a tree fell in the woods thing. No one was watching Sacramento in those years. Like, in, enjoy this now. We all like your team a lot. We're all in on the ride here. Sacramento looks like they're built to make this go the long haul, and I'm very excited to watch it. But Brandon, not the only big news that we had in sports yesterday. First off, last night in sports was just drunk in general. You had this game go on. 76ers took care of business again against Brooklyn. You had yeah. two NHL games as the postseason gets started there, the Stanley Cup playoffs go to overtime, and the Dallas Stars and Wild game went to double overtime. I don't know how East Coast sports fans do it. I don't know how I did it for so long. It had to be mind-numbing for people wanting to sit here and watch this objectively great playoff hockey. The Kings came back down from 3-1 in the third period to win it in overtime against Connor McDavid. I would have been watching that through one bloodshot eye were it this time last year. 
Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. It was an awesome live sports night. We also had the big news yesterday uh, with Jalen Hurts in the NFL that was very exciting. He gets the payday that he so richly deserves. Five years $255 million extension on his rookie contract, including $179 million guaranteed, a source told Adam Schefter on Monday. Brandon, first and foremost, congratulations to Jalen Hurts, who is, Absolutely. I saw RG3 tweeting about this yesterday, a movie of a story. Script writers would have a tough time with this for a guy who battled through getting benched at Alabama in a championship setting, stuck around and continued to hone his craft inside that building, came in clutch for them in the SEC championship the year later, and then went on to the NFL as a second-round draft pick, a guy who was a Heisman Trophy finalist at Oklahoma and now worked his way to being a runner-up for MVP last year and a guy who played in a Super Bowl and went from getting benched in a championship setting in college to playing arguably one of his best games of the season in a championship setting in the NFL. NFL. It's remarkable. I've said I got the chance to meet Jalen and interact with him at the Heisman dinner the year that uh, Joe Burrow won. And he always struck me as presidential. He always struck me as a guy who can take the intangible qualities that we talk about as quarterbacks and make them feel tangible. He exudes that confidence. You've heard Lane Johnson on the podcast with us here talk about his leadership. Jason Kelsey talk about it. AJ Brown went on the Raw Room and was lauding him, talked about how much he enjoys playing with Jalen Hurts and what he means for that team. They go as Jalen goes. And so they rewarded their leader richly in this deal. And he deserves it. Howie Roseman and the Eagles did another masterful job as far as using quarterback contracts to your advantage. We hear so many people talk about how these things are an albatross and how difficult it becomes to build a team and how you can't go and fill out your roster and all these other places. Howie Roseman and the Eagles, look at this for the first four years salary cap hits for the next four seasons in Jalen Hurts contract extension. In 2023, it's a $6.15 million hit. 2024, $13.5 million. 2025, $21.7 million. 2026, $31.7 million. Like they managed to backload this thing in a contract that I believe at signing 
he's fully fully guaranteed at signing for Jalen Hurts is $110 million. It's the third most fully guaranteed at signing for a quarterback in the NFL ever. So he got a lot of money. For his agent, Nicole Lynn, who did a fantastic job, it's been well-publicized. Jalen has an all-female uh, all team of managers, his agent, Nicole Lynn, who signed what they can claim as the highest-paid quarterback contract in the history of the NFL as far as average annual value, what he's paid per year across the contract. He will make fifty over $51 million a year. It's the highest in the NFL. It's the highest ever. So they get that. The Eagles get cap flexibility in the short term here while they are still very much in a Super Bowl window. And Brandon, it defies that notion, I think, that we've seen people try and bring up, which is you can't do this and then field a competitive team. I Mm. always have maintained it's the contrary, where once you know you got a guy, you plant your flag and it allows you to plan everything else better because this is the hard thing to find. Everything else, you've got a better chance, a better hit rate, all these things. Quarterback's the hard one. And so when you score like this and when you're coming off a season where Jalen Hurts plays as well as he did, knowing you don't have that fifth-year contract control, this was inevitable and it was smartly done by both sides that I think see the value in each other. Like I was thinking about it in terms of a relationship, Brandon, because so often we hear people say, well, you could go find another really good quarterback like that in the draft. Jalen was only a second rounder. You got a first rounder this year that was sort of hedging your bet if this went poorly. In what world, when you find the woman of your dreams, you two are both very in love, you two both see a future with each other, do you then say, you know what, no, I'm going to opt for the dating pool because I won't be able to afford as nice a house or as nice a car because now I got to account for my spouse and maybe for our future children and it changes our finances a little bit. Those are all things that you welcome because you Mm -hmm. kept the main thing the main thing and took care of that first. And so when you've got it, we're both sides. Where Jalen Hurts, I'm sure, looks at this organization and sees a team that's done right by him a front office that's put weapons around him and they vice versa have gotten a quarterback that's an exemplary leader that allows them to operate their offense and their rushing attack in a way very few teams get to and has continued to develop as a passer why either side would openly court chaos feels insane and so to see cooler heads prevail here has been incredible yeah mike i agree with you with all those points especially just you know lauding jalen hurts for everything that he is and everything that he isn't but a team, and I have to take offense slightly when it comes to the Lamar Jackson side of these this thing, but when a team invests in a quarterback this way, the team as a whole isn't hurt by that move when the quarterback is him. When Patrick Mahomes gets the, the most money that anyone had seen at that point in time, it made a lot of sense because it was Patrick Mahomes. But on the back end, we never saw any real downfall when it comes to production on offense or the team having any obvious holes because you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Now, I think Jalen Hurts gives you that level of stability enough for Howie Roseman to throw this money out there and know it's going to be in good hands. And know that not only it, it's a good investment to the point where the Eagles may be shortchanging him. You know what I mean? Like it, I feel like that for these owners that are shelling out the money, the only good investment is one that they can get over on in some way, shape, or form. And I think Jalen Hurts allows them to do that. 
So he's definitely a commodity they can be comfortable in, right? He's stable. He's incredibly dependable. It's why we also saw he received the first eagle in yep, the first ever in Eagles history, no trade clause in a contract. That's a big point as we talk about how this is going to affect and inform some of the other deals that are hanging out there. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and you mentioned Lamar Jackson. Because if I'm Lamar, exactly what you said has been his point of contention. Look at how much I provide for this team. You could argue it's even more than Jalen Hurts based on what they have not done around him in the same ways that we've talked about at receiver, evolving the offense, all things that from the middle of Nick Sirianni's first season on, we really saw, hey, they leaned into what they were good at and they addressed what they weren't with bodies and personnel and free agency and in the draft. They built more around him in a couple of years than we've seen Baltimore do around Lamar Jackson since he's been there. They took the opportunity to plant their flag at this early juncture, part of that driven by the fact that he was a second rounder, but also just smart business, a thing that I still maintain I think the Ravens missed out on. And so you saw a lot of people comparing the contract that was reportedly offered to Lamar Jackson by the Ravens comparing it to what we've got here in terms of you know the guarantees we talked about it 110 million guaranteed at signing that 179 million has injury guarantees in it so stuff that only triggers if there were to be an injury and it doesn't top what we saw for Russell Wilson it doesn't top certainly the Deshaun Watson contract that we know has been a hang-up for Lamar Jackson and so Mm -hmm. now it's just going to be the race to see who gets it done next. Because I have to imagine the Bengals and the Chargers are sweating this thing out heavy. Those are two historically cheap franchises who usually do not want to shell out big-time money. We see it for the Chargers always manifest in how they've handled first-round picks. It's why Eli Manning did what he did on draft, way so many, draft day so many years ago. And yeah. we also see why, you know, The Bengals would be averse to that. I mean, the entire Marvin Lewis era was about accomplishing in the face of a franchise and an organization that was only interested in spending so much, in accomplishing so much. The Bengals have never been serious about winning beyond a certain point, and that's putting asses in seats. Joe Burrow has challenged and changed that. And so now for everyone that comes up next, Jalen Hurts had interesting leverage because, again, Last year was the fi- next year was the final year of his contract on his rookie deal because it's only a four-year deal. Lamar Jackson's been in an interesting leverage situation with the Ravens because while he's as close to free agency as we've seen for a quarterback with an MVP under 26, he's also in a situation where because it's the non-exclusive tag, Baltimore's got some leverage in that situation. For Hertz and Burrow, it's different because those are both first round first rounders. Those are both guys with fifth-year control. And ones who could and should be offered money that will top this Jalen Hurts contract. And so the race to get it done next so that you're not buried and railroaded by each preceding contract. Because for these guys in this range, they're all going to get continue to get bigger. But Brandon, the other thing that I think will become apparent as these go along is we're probably not going to see that fully guaranteed deal come into play based on the position those guys are in. And so if you're Lamar Jackson, and if you're the Ravens especially, I'd imagine Baltimore would be smart to come to Lamar now, beef up their offer a bit in the name of getting out in front of the Herbert and Burrow contracts. And if you're Lamar, it's, hey, how uncomfortable do you want to make this? Do you want to try and wait those out? Are you comfortable potentially going up against the season and letting those pile up? That's going to be the dance here between those two because, again, their situation, just how it's structured leverage-wise, is so different than what Burrow and Herbert are going to go up against as guys that still are under some contract control. And I think at this point have a little bit better relationship with the organization and 
that plays a huge factor in how this is going to go, how far Baltimore let it go, how far them and Lamar went down the line versus the juncture that Burrow and Herbert are at. Yeah, the the interesting thing about where Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are is because is their franchises aren't, and you touched on it, they're, they're not really interested in winning financially as much as we've seen the Eagles are willing to do whatever they can to win. And I think the Ravens are willing to put X amount of money on a certain side of the ball to win. The problem is they just gave that money or a lot of that money to Roquan Smith ensuring up that defensive side of the ball for the next five years. So I do think that it's interesting to see, but I feel like Justin Herbert is going to be one of the most underpaid quarterbacks for their entire entirety of his career as long as he's with the Chargers. Yeah, and you know what? At least the Chargers can point to and say, hey, we made the changes that Baltimore was crying about for years, right? They had that situation with Lombardi, and they changed it out, and now Callan Moore is going to be out there. They have started to address things on the offensive line. Injury has continued to snakebite them, but they started to get the ball rolling a little earlier on those things. We've seen Cincinnati make changes. Hockey line changed their O-line. They've already had the weapons at receiver. Defensively, what Luana Rumo's done on that side of the ball. So... I do wonder, because that's going to be the race now, to see of those next three, who gets done first. And for Baltimore, again, based on how long it's already gone, I think it would behoove you to go and say, hey, we're going to beef this up a little bit. We're going to make sure guarantee-wise, average annual, that we get you up over those numbers, even if it's not going to be the fully guaranteed, even if it's not going to be up over that $230 million for uh, that we saw with Deshaun Watson and try and make this happen now before this gets even more uncomfortable because again the overall takeaway from this is once you know you gotta go as early as possible at this position the way the market's going because it's only going to take a couple of years for these contracts to age very well if you do it right it's only going to take a couple of years for them to be dated in terms of how much of the cap a quarterback's taking up based on the way that rises and falls so uh i I, I, we're in an interesting spot, but it's awesome for Jalen Hurts. It's awesome to see this for this young crop of quarterbacks who have come in, especially on the AFC side of things. Jalen's one of the few on the mm-hmm. NFC putting in work, but a young class of quarterback that is coming in to ease the transition from the Tom Brady era, the Peyton Mannings of the world, the Drew Breeses that we've waved goodbye to in the last couple of years. Um, Brandon? Speaking of new crop, uh, new crop of quarterbacks, though. Yes. We had some interesting back and forth, a war of insiders going on yesterday um, related to the NFL draft. Adam Schefter in the ESPN uh, NFL Insider Corner and Ian Rappaport over at the NFL Network, both on opposite sides of a debate that sparked yesterday about the top four picks in the draft. Adam Schefter betting Dan Orlovsky money on air that he believes only one quarterback will end up getting picked in the top four draft picks in the NFL draft. He maintains that the Houston Texans at two may not take a quarterback and may not move. The Arizona Cardinals at three could be in the same boat and that Indianapolis might just be able to sit pretty at four and get the second best quarterback on their board in this draft as according to DraftKings Sportsbook, and I got to pull this up right now to uh, make 100% sure, the Bryce Young going number one overall situation has, at least betting odds-wise, reached the point of almost certainty. At this moment on DraftKings Sportsbook, he's minus 1,400 to go number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. C.J. Stroud, next best odds at plus 700, and then Anthony Richardson at plus 1,500. So since that Chris Mortensen reported ESPN, 
it's become abundantly clear. Everybody thinks that this is a foregone conclusion at one. And then we've had all the smokescreen stuff about Houston, what their thoughts are on CJ Stroud, uh, the relationship with his agent, David Mulligetta, who also represents Deshaun Watson and any lingering bad blood there. And Brandon, the wildest thing I saw, um, Nick Cazario, their GM, had to come out and address rumors that he was going to step down and leave the team after the draft, calling them... He cited... He did the Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo DiCaprio meme. He said, I, I to cite the Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not bleeping leaving. So all of it's been bizarre coming out of Houston's camp, but at the end of the day, when I hear this, and Rap was on the other side over on McAfee's show the other day, saying... He thinks the Texans are going to take their quarterback of the future at two. Everything he's heard indicates that. I love Adam Schefter. Got to work with Adam Schefter, one of my favorite dudes. But I do side with Ian Rappaport and Dan Orlovsky, who are both protesting there. Someone's taking a quarterback inside those top three picks. And I believe Houston's probably running a little bit of game. If I had to guess, again, we told everyone, silly season. Antenna's up right now because most of what we're getting is likely misinformation. I'd be stunned if this wasn't Houston trying to prevent other people from trading up into that range or Indianapolis trying to prevent other people from trading up in that range to try and see if they can get one of these guys to fall. This seems like clever jockeying for position because based on the talent we've got available in this quarterback class, how rich it is, and for these teams, how big of a need that is, I would be stunned if one of them in that group of the Las Vegas Raiders in range, Tennessee in range near 11. In addition to Indianapolis, in addition to Houston, someone doesn't make a move to make sure they get their guy once Bryce Young is off the board. But the rumors about C.J. Stroud dropping in the draft are very interesting to me. But the fact that Nick Casario would counter those rumors with the biggest smokescreen ever to say, I'm not leaving. (laughs) Like, was this just on Houston sports radio? Like, where do we hear of this? Like, we've talked about how he should and how he seems to not be the best decision maker a lot of times. But the the concept of of him coming out out of nowhere saying I'm not leaving is just, it feels like a big smokescreen when everyone's just figuring out if they are going to take C.J. Stroud at number two. Right. And... I guess that's the thing is with Houston, I I would be stunned. Like I know people want to cite the relationship with the agent and maybe that's a real thing. We know that sometimes the bad blood can escalate behind closed doors in this league, but man, to cut off your nose to spite your face with a player that talented near the top of this draft. Again, if Houston's not comfortable with it, I believe someone will be and they'll make it worth their while enough to move back. A Houston Texans team that we know has plenty of young guys that started to pop last year, Damian Pierce and others who were important parts, but still got holes on this roster they need to fix that could absolutely be aided by moving back in the draft. I just, I I understand that we've ridden the roller coaster with this and the idea that we were going to go one, two, three, four at quarterback in the draft, something that's never happened in the history of the league with Mm. this group in particular was probably a little bit too high the other way. I think two making it out of the top four is now too much on the bottom side of the roller coaster here. I think we're going to see those guys move there. I think the talent and production available from any of these four quarterbacks is enough to warrant that. But certainly Bryce and CJ at the very least, even if you're concerned about Anthony Richardson or Will Levis as guys, they're a little bit more of a project based based on where they're at in their career. So 
I know if Adam Schefter wins and is right, he gets a hundred dollar uh, steakhouse dinner from Dan Orlovsky, and if Dan wins, he gets ten dollars. I don't know why. I understand Adam making the point that right now everyone believes a lot of quarterbacks are going to go, but ten to one odds, Dan, you got to barter a little bit more than that, bud. So we will uh, we'll see how that one goes. It's going to be very interesting as we approach draft season. This has become the crux, and it's why we have struggled to get to really any other positions again. We'll be out in Boston uh, next week. Me, my dad, Charlotte Wilder, and a host of other DraftKings personalities doing a draft show. I think we're going to do some mock drafts during the week. So we'll get to the other positions in the draft. We'll make sure that those become more of a part of the conversation. But in the meantime, all of this quarterback drama is going to make things very interesting in the lead up. And Lord knows the NFL loves that as a television product. Uh, But Brandon, you know what time it is? (laughs) Yeah. It's time for this, that, and the third. It's time for three quick stories to finish off our day here and get everyone on out here. You've already got one part of the podcast. We'll finish this off with the second. And Brandon, we got some doozies today. Uh, Let's get to this. Jimbo Fisher had the time once again in the spring at the microphone. They finished up their spring game at Texas A&M, and when Jimbo Fisher stepped to the podium, he was answering questions and was told there was one more question. And he said, quote, if it's the last question, it better be a good question. I don't need no Houston Chronicle questions. I need a Texags question, a good question. Sports Illustrated is just as bad. Sports Illustrated, that ain't a good one either now. That ain't a good one either. It used to be the gold standard, daggum. By the way, seeing daggum transcribed. Y'all give me (laughs) flack and I can't give you flack. Y'all can't take it. That got personal. He didn't get into any details about what he dislikes, but Brandon, uh, Jimbo Fisher clearly feeling some of the heat coming off last season's massive underperformance by Texas A&M. Yeah, Mike, I feel like he's taking the mantle from Nick Saban and not just uttering a, a quick thing that he doesn't like vaguely. It's like this specific publication I'm not a fan of, and this one and that one and that one, you're cool, F you. I do like the idea because... I want to make this clear on a base base sense. He's mm-hmm. sort of right in that there's hardly ever the same criticism lobbed back the other way by the media engine that True. we make a living criticizing players, criticizing coaches. And it's like I always say about officials, no one should be above it. If you're a part of the process and you step out of line, people should be able to criticize. That being said, it should be a little bit more specific. There should be reasons given for why this is the case generally. And If those reasons are simply, I don't like being criticized, then that doesn't exactly hold water. But I would love to see the way we get the coaches poll in college football, the coaches come together and rank media outlets or power rank media personalities. I know that big game boomer account loves to do the top college football Twitter personalities or top college football analysts. I would love to see the coaches vote on that from their perspective since they've got to interact with most all of them over the course of the year. I I like to expand it, Mike. Coaches and players and turn it into one of those uh, free agency report card grading uh, reports. Just like, you know, just if you're in the media landscape and you're out there looking for a job, here's what the players and coaches are saying about these places. See, all of a sudden you'd have media personalities taking this in with their agent to their employers. Like, I don't know if you saw in last week's coaches poll, but uh, (laughs) top five for the 15th week in the row, built different. Yeah, uh, questions asked, friendly banter, uh, family questions. Yeah. 
He's his stat book is wow. He's gotten eight hundred. That's a great questions from coaches this year during press conference. <laughs> uh, the ultimate currency. Seven different head coaches have repeated his name back to him during the course of a press conference. Brilliant oh, performance. Man. Great, great on road and uh, home games. Yeah, I was gonna say home run split. He's a real grinder here. Not a diva on the road. Doesn't always demand first class, but just has it built into his contract anyway. <laughs> He's a real team player. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, take a bow, sir. Giving us more clicks in the college football air quotes off season uh, than ever right. before. Brandon, let's get to that. This is amazing news to come down in the same twelve-hour, twenty-four-hour period that we also saw the Dallas Mavericks fined by the NBA $750,000 for their very obvious tank at the end of the season in their final game to miss the play-in tournament. They made it clear and obvious, and so the league stepped in and did something like they've done in the past with them. The Chinese Basketball Association has also decided to do that. So we had two former NBA players that were a part of a apparent game-fixing scandal in the playoffs of the Chinese Basketball Association. Eric Bledsoe and, Malik, uh, and Michael Beasley both play for the Shanghai Sharks over in the CBA. They were in a championship round game this past weekend against the uh, Yangsu Dragons. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and I apologize if I'm not. They were leading the game by a score of 100-96 to with less than two minutes left in regulation, then the Dragons conveniently went to go on to commit five consecutive turnovers that led to a 10-point swing in favor of Shanghai, who eventually went on to win 108-104 to to clinch the best-of-four series up 2-1. The accusations of game-fixing disqualified their team from the CBA playoffs, and furthermore, the coaches and GM for that team both have been Disc or uh, have been suspended and banned from the CBA as a result of this in an incredible swing. Brandon, this is thrilling drama. Apparently, a lot of Chinese professional sports are dealing with issues of very rampant cheating or the appearance of cheating, and this is just the latest installment of it. Mike, I, I went deeper into the rabbit hole with this one. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was not playing in this game because he had in a fight in the previous game and was suspended for this one. Uh, there's actual footage on Twitter of the turnovers that led to the suspicion of Mike. And I'm telling you what, something fishy was going on. So they, uh, the Shanghai Sharks won uh, game one of this, of this playoff uh, game and then uh, set starters at, at one point in time in this game, which was also a hair raiser. But the fact that, I'll say this, China, China, in the Chinese Basketball Association working swiftly. I, I, I'm surprised that we are hearing such a steep punishment for something that apparently is uh, status quo in, in the league. So here's the full punishment. Each club was fined seven, the equivalent of 725000 U.S. dollars. The coach for Shanghai was given a five-year ban by the league. The coach what? for the other team was given a three-year ban by the league. The GM... Um, uh, each GM was given in Shanghai a three-year ban, the other GM a five-year ban for what they just called negative contention. 
and said that Jung Soo just demonstrated a, quote, lack of competitive effort. I love this verbiage of basically giving them loafs and then dropping the hammer on them on the other side for it just being such an over... Like, in the U.S., when we get tanking, we get it because people are sad at an opportune times. Here, they've right. actually got them. Like, we always get the line. The players are never a part of this. You hear every coach, every GM say right, this in the right. U.S. The players would never tank. They're out there to do their best. They're there to provide for their family. It sounds like, based on what you said, Brandon, the players yeah. were very much in on this tank. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like when I let my son steal the basketball from me. I'm like, oh, 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 oh I just missed it. Like, oh, like, <laughs> come on now. And hey, listen, they got to be getting their money from somewhere. They gave Michael Beasley a seven-figure contract. To go over there. Eric Bledsoe, even last year, seven-figure contract. Like, the money is getting printed over there in American U.S. dollars as well. So, listen, I, I need I need more games. I know they've been, like, showing the uh, Victor Wabinyana uh, games on uh, in, in NBA League Pass. I need some, some Shanghai games on there as well. I was going to say, could you imagine American betters watching the end of these games? We already have the bad beat segment on Van Pelt show. This all does remind me of my favorite NBA shitposting meme that shows up below any player transgression where it's just the Adam Silver meme that says, get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. Now we see the effect of this on the other side. Bro, somebody posted under the thread that had the story in it. Get ready to learn American, brother. <laughs> Oh my God, Brandon, let's get to the third. Um, this internet controversy came to us yesterday from the world of major league baseball. The Toronto blue Jays player, Anthony Bass tweeted out a picture of his wife and his two kids on a United airlines flight with this caption. There's a picture of the two kids and a bunch of popcorn on the floor. So the flight attendant just made my 22-week pregnant wife traveling with a 5-year-old and 2-year-old get on her hands and knees and pick up popcorn, the popcorn mess by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? He tweeted. It sparked a debate online about who is responsible for cleaning up after kids on the airplane. Brandon, about the incident itself, I'd say this. There's a portion of this missing. This is like the OBJ incident on the airplane where... Right. I need to know what the conversation was between the flight attendant and this man's wife. I'm not calling right. him a liar. I'm just saying I have never heard of an interaction like this where a flight attendant has told someone they need to get down and clean up X debris or whatever's going on in the plane there. I've never seen an interaction like that on an airplane. And Lord knows I have been, one, on a lot of planes, and two, messy myself on a lot of planes. And so... I'd ask you, as someone with kids, how do you approach traveling with your kids and the mess that comes with just existing with children in the airport? Uh, my wife is a little bit more... <laughs> Almost got me. Careful. Almost got me. Careful. Almost got me, Logan. Uh, <laughs> my, 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 my wife has a little bit more attention to detail. So uh, something that we do when we go out to eat uh, is like we put a lot of like napkins and, and, and like, you know, yeah, napkins and towels down to catch the food. And we do a lot of the cleaning up. And every time we leave, every time we do it, the wait staff is like, you guys don't have to do that. We'll take care of it. You guys don't have to do that. We'll take care of it. Like, yeah, we understand. You're going to have to do a little bit of cleaning up anyways because we can only get so much. Right. Now, the amount of popcorn that was under Anthony Bass's daughter's seat. Was quite a bit, but I, I'll say this. It was in the aisle, which affects other travelers, Mike. I, sure. I, I can't. 
but I still can't imagine a, a flight attendant asking a mother five months pregnant, Mike, I did the math, five months wow. pregnant at all, which you probably, maybe she's not showing, I don't know. Anyways, for ask a, a, a patron, a, a rider, a flight, whatever United calls their people, to pick up to pick up the popcorn when they know that the cleaning staff that's coming on after they deplane will is going to come in and do that same thing. But Mike, with that popcorn in the aisle, stepped on, getting tracked out of there, I, I can see it being a bigger issue. But I still, it's hard for me to believe that a flight attendant ju- didn't just put on their hat somewhere in the in the sky and was like, you know what? Let me get these little kernels that are clearly out in the way and will be harder to be picked up. So I, mean, I don't Brandon, know where I am. When you've been walking off a plane, it looks like leaving a movie theater. It looks like leaving a concert. <laughs> There's shit everywhere walking off a plane. God <laughs> bless those cleaning staffs that come on at the end and get everything cleaned up here. What I'd say, Brandon, in general is my approach here because I don't really care about who's right or wrong in this situation. Again, something in here seems off about the interaction on one side or the other because I just haven't seen this. But in general, when it comes to making a mess in the seat, my thought process is always this. Yeah, if it's on the floor, you'd like to at least keep it out of the aisle and under your stuff. Mm -hmm. But you also have got a built-in escape route. The pouch in front of you on the seat in front of you, that seat back pouch, that's the trash can. You put everything in there. I know they make the rounds in the aisle and they come and pick up trash, but sometimes you're asleep, sometimes you miss it, sometimes they go by too fast. You gotta be discreet. It's like we talked about with the Mavs. You're getting in trouble for being messy, not for tanking. You're making it way too obvious. If you're on the plane, you be a gentleman about it and you put your trash inside the pouch in front there. More often than not, you're gonna be okay because then they'll find it after, but at least you had the decency to keep it out of the public light. And I feel like that might be what's really at the crux of most of the debate around trash on planes. Yeah, there's uh, individual trash cans for everyone on the flight that has a seat in front of them unless you're lucky and you get the uh, the emergency exit uh, mm. seat that, you know, all the extra uh, leg room. The first class seat in coach. Yeah, the one that doesn't have the seat in yes. front of it. God's yes, gift. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, but yes, Mike, I, I'm 100% with you. Uh, the popcorn probably shouldn't have ended up on the floor, but I, there had to have been some level of not paying attention to your child to get that many kernels on the floor in the first in the first place. I just feel like in general, my approach and thought process with kids in the airport and parents in the airport and the platform I would run on for political office if I ever ran was parents should not have to pay for anything once they get on airport grounds because every Mm. parent I see in the airport is fighting God's toughest battle, trying to get their children from point A to point B. I never understand people on planes that are like harping on kids or being assholes when a baby's crying. Your life's not the hard one. Those parents and those kids are dealing with the hard stuff. And so it's all of our job to kind of soften life for them. And in general, everyone does a good job. I've seen kids running up and down the aisle. There's kids that have been pushing on the back of the seat before. You see the gamut. And that's why, again, something about this situation does not add up to me in the way that it's been presented. Because while, yeah, there was popcorn in the aisle... I've seen worse than that. We've all seen worse than that. And the result has not been this on the other side. And so we need some more detective work. Yes, uh, Mike, I I like your platform. Um, Free items for parents with kids in the airport. But I will say there should be a slight discount for those with leashes because y'all cheating. That is true. Don't take the easy way out here. Take the... Take the training wheels off, take the bumpers off when you're bowling, and go out here and parent like a man. I'm totally kidding. Please, God, parents, don't come for me. Um, and also, please parent like a, a mom more so yeah. than a man. 
Oh my god, little, there's so there's so much subjective. wrong with what I just did. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a lot of sitting and listening for men uh parenting. What what y'all doing in there? Yeah. Is that the toilet? You making out of that toilet? Yeah, let me let me ad- let me redact and amend that. Parent parent like a parent, whoever there you, you are and however you do in that statement here. Uh hopefully parents and non-parents alike enjoyed this podcast. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.